From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Eric. It's heating up out here. I mean, it is the, the knit cap is gone. The yeah. winter cap is gone. I'm going back with my Fidel hat. You know, that's what I'm calling it. Well, you know, you got the Cubans to compliment it. So it's yeah, seems... I mean, and the beard. And so. the beard. Are you a communist? <laughs> what a way to start this Indiana podcast. <laughs> uh, well, what do you want to talk about, man? I mean, the dam is breaking. It does, it does feel that way. So someone just said to me that it feels like for anybody who's been in a car accident that you saw coming, it, there's a feeling that it's like those few seconds before where you know you're going to hit the car in front of you and you can do nothing to stop it. <laughs> and that is, that is a, it's not a good feeling. I mean, my when I think about Indiana, which is, you know, I don't know, 23 hours of the day. Right. Um, I have like a, my heart in my throat about it because mm. I love Indiana. I mean, I just love it so much. It has, it has been, been such a huge part of my life for the better part of 43 years. And it's bigger now than it's ever been because of the time you and I spend on it and how much we're invested in it. And I'll be honest with you, man. I like Archie Miller. I mean, I like him personally. We had a great time when he was on the show. Great time when he was on the show. Great time with him at the camp. He's been really good to us. Uh, he's been good to us when we snuck into the press conference and he indulged us on our stupidity. Um, the, the entire coaching staff, Tom Ostrom, I really truly like. Mike Roberts, we truly like. Uh, Kenya Hunter, we, we haven't gotten to know as well, but but the brief time we've spent with him, we genuinely like him. The support staff's amazing. Obviously, Bill Komar is just one of the best guys in the world. And I feel more for them than I do for the players, truthfully. I know that might sound awful because the players are kids, but the players come and go. Like, you know, they'll, they'll be fine. But this is like these people's livelihoods. And and yeah. I do think they'll they'll land on their feet. You know, they'll all Of course. But but this is a great job if you can make it work. It really is. It's special. It's a special, special place. And you know, we talked about it. We wanted to grow old with Archie and the team. And look, nothing's been decided, obviously. But it goes back to this feeling of the accident is just beyond, you know, the intersection and you're approaching it and you feel like you can do nothing to prevent it. The brakes are locked. You're screeching through the intersection. Time slows down. What's really less than a second feels like 10. And um, it, it, it makes you feel sick and afraid. And you're just waiting for that impact. It's but funny I'll you said afraid. It's funny you say afraid. I, didn't, <laughs> I wasn't using that word, but no, but it's true. It is, well, be, it is because true. we're going into this abyss, right? And it's like I if, think we are. If, yeah. if well, and if if everything we've tried uh, to spin 
as a sign of momentum or optimism, it's all but vanquished. Like any possible thread or light or anything you can point to, it's just really hard to, to find something to cling to and say, this could still work. Because right now you ask any Indiana Hoosier fan, would you like for this to work? Would you like for this, even this team, but certainly this coaching staff to work and get us back to where we want to be? 100% of them would say yes, because nobody wants to have to go through all this again and potentially wait two, three, four years to see if it's going to work. And for me, it how do how do you live with something that an accident, an ongoing accident for potentially years at a time, you know, or seeing if you're going to avoid the accident or not. And I'm, I'm battling with myself on whether I want to mature or not. Do I want to accept Indiana basketball for what it is any given season, still hope it's great, still hope we could go to final fours and win big tens. Or do I just want to, and in doing that, be able to like enjoy whatever comes and be in the moment and enjoy the, the victories, even if they don't mean we're on our way back to being a top 10 program, you know, or do I just want to cling forever to the idea of being one of the best five programs in the country and in doing so make myself way more miserable potentially for the rest of my life? Yeah, but I don't think that's maturing or not. I really don't. I think it's lowering expectations or not. You I know, think I it's maturing think that, in that I'm not letting my happiness be dictated by a basketball team. But, okay. I mean, if you think that that's maturing to remove that as a, as a you know, data point in your happiness, good on you if you can do it. I can't. Um, it's too much of our lives. It, it's just, uh, and I can't lower but, but, the expectations. But, here, but what we do and the people we get to do it with and the friends we've made because of that, that's all happened while Indiana has been really bad at basketball. And, and, and isn't that the more important thing in big picture, you end of your life, you're, you're, you're like, Hey, sure. what would I have rather had all those friendships, uh, or another national championship? Sure. But Ward, well, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I know. It's not a slam but, but dunk. Also, so much of what we do now is because there were national championships before. That's not a limitless pool. We need to continue to win and have great moments so that in 10 years, you and I can still be doing it with the people creating those moments now and, 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 and be more conscious of it while it's happening, which we clearly are. I do want to touch on one thing I read on Peegs that I that I do have a strong reaction to. Because okay. again, I like Archie Miller and I want to go back a half step. There's a lot of things, not on the basketball court right now, but there's a lot of things to like about him. There's not a whiff of NCAA violations in our program since he's been there. There's been some minor infractions, but everybody deals with the minor infractions, like, you know, walking the recruits across the assembly hall court during Hoosier hysteria a couple years ago. Ticky tack compliance bullshit. Yeah, BS. That like the NCAA wouldn't have even done anything about, but we self-reported. So 
these kids, for the most part, have been upstanding citizens. Yep. They have repped the school. There's been a suspension here or there. You know, I like that he suspended Jerome and, and said that we're just not going to accept whatever that behavior was. But these kids, the Armands, even the Rob, the Al's, the Traces, the Races, Joey Brunk, he has brought good, Anthony Leo, Trey Galloway, he has brought good people into the program and people that you feel good about rooting for as opposed to some other teams that we've had, like when Kelvin was winning and you just had to swallow hard because you knew some of the guys shouldn't be there and you knew what was going on behind the scenes did not make you feel warm and fuzzy. Now, this isn't summer camp. We want to win and you can have both. So there's a lot to like about Archie, but I want to, I want to, I want to go to something I read on Peaks that did bother me. Somebody posted something that said, why is it so hard to be successful at Indiana? And then it went into this thread about the compliance issues and the administration, you know, and all that. I, I reject the premise and I posted it because you can be hugely successful at Indiana. Kelvin Sampson was on his way to being hugely successful at Indiana. He just couldn't get out of his own way with some BS behind the scenes. Tom okay. Crean had some hugely successful moments. Huge. I mean, by the way, Tom Crean, after five years, we thought, oh my God, we're here to stay. I mean, we thought we were back. We were the number one team in the country. You know, we won a Big Ten championship. We had beaten number one teams like Kentucky, top five teams like Ohio State, beating Michigan State. Like, it felt good. And, it, and then Tom Crean couldn't get out of his own way. Mm -hmm. and was too arrogant and had personality flaws that caused his ability to maintain long-term success uh, to fail, period. But there was nothing institutionally preventing the success. And both of those guys dealt with a, a program that didn't have near the facilities improvements that we have now. I mean, right. money has been poured into the program to upgrade the locker rooms. Cook Hall has been renovated largely in the parts that needed it. Like there's plenty going on. The, the nutrition, the training tables, all that stuff has been upgraded. You can win. It is just about having the right guy. And having the right guy is more difficult than we ever thought. Kelvin Sampson was the right guy on the court and the wrong guy off it. Tom Crean was the wrong guy off the court, truthfully, and too inconsistent on the court. But the right guy will win at Indiana. And, and I don't buy that like, oh, now it's going to take even longer. No, it won't. No, it won't. Stop. Illinois was a mess. Brad Underwood changed it. Like the, the well, right It will guy definitely will take longer to, to, to reboot. Now, no, I'm saying it won't take longer than it would have five years ago. Like, right. I don't think anything Archie has done, if a move is made, means that, oh, it took Archie, like we didn't even get it in four years, so now we won't get it in six. No, that's bull bullshit. Like, the right guy will win. Yes, it takes time to reboot, but it doesn't take four years. Yeah, no, I, I think when the right guy finally walks through the door, if it's not Archie, it, it, it should be pretty obvious pretty quickly by even taking current players. And I'm with you. Like I, I, not only do I like the, the coaching staff and the supporting staff, but I really like these kids. And that kind of goes back to my, my, is it, is it better for my happiness quotient to just enjoy good people doing the best they can and, and 
and let go that the winning is everything mentality. But it is. I mean, you watch to win. Sure, sure. You know, and that's certainly been my position my whole life. But when you're staring down the barrel of, of well, what we've been through and that what there's really be. no reason to believe it's going to get any better anytime soon, then it's like, do I move the, the goalposts in order to find happiness somewhere else in the people on the court, around the program, the way they treat us, uh, the community it's introduced us to. But I digress. The point being is the guy, it was very obvious that Kelvin Sampson had it on the court. Um, we all got fooled by Tom Crean because the trajectory ended up being awesome for the first half and then terrible for the second half. And, and I can only go back to the analogy of, by the way, know, that terrible second half included a big 10 championship. Right. Right. And a you sweet know, 16 appearance. And, and, and we all thought that wasn't good enough. Um, how well, the inconsistency wasn't good enough. It, it, it definitely felt, and we definitely felt like we were, it didn't feel the, cyclical what we were on. It felt it, like we were on a downward trajectory. It, and it was what was going on on the ground, right? It was it, it, in terms of recruiting and seeing how that was kind of starting to crumble and people, you know, who should have been in the rotation weren't good enough to be on a, a power five programs roster. There is a floating something directly to your right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the towel on Annie's head. She just got out of the shower. She's crawling on the floor. <laughs> behind the camera army crawl style now you see uh, it you see the and, towel and you got her and now and with that she was on her her knees and elbows now she's flat on her stomach uh she's almost completely past the chair um, your wife is army crawling through the frame <laughs> to avoid our ridiculousness well it's to avoid being in in a, a two towels on our show i i I get it. I mean, it would be the most interesting thing that's ever happened on our show. Well, I mean, right behind Tom Brew showing up in his pajamas. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, uh, look, but, Tom but, Brew, Annie Roberts, and hopefully the rejuvenation of the Indiana basketball program could all use a little of the same juice that gets us going through the day. Well, are you talking about money? No, juice. This, oh, is, juice. this is juice. This is juice? Oh, okay. Yeah. And that juice, of course, is provided because we are powered by pigs, 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 pigs. That's it. That's it for today. It's lovely. It's lovely. That's all I got. Um. Yeah. What else you want? What else you got before we head on into uh, one of our favorites? I, I don't think anything. I don't think anything else. You know, I think we're, I think we're, the, the one thing that is coming out of all of this is um, a united fan base. It, it is, well, and like. Somewhat. For, I mean, there's still apologists on peaks all over the place. Uh, not many. I, I feel there are more. Like, there are more the other way for sure. But there are some that are still like you can't do it. You got to give them six years. It's just been bad luck. The conference is tougher than it's ever been. It's like when I read any of them, it does just make smoke come out of my ears because I just don't know how you can look at what's happening and say this is okay. No, I, I, I to me, but 
in that, you know, Discord, uh, the, the game th threads, and obviously, usually haters are louder. And I think that what is now a, a true minority of apologists and supporters, um, maybe they're, they're feeling like this is their last stand, try to get another year. But to me, it feels like it's gone from sort of 50-50 over the last season or two to like 90-10 at this I, point. I think that's fair. And, um, and look, there may be another year. I mean, there's so much that goes into a decision like this and no decision has been made. I do think the Rutgers game, we keep, we keep pushing it out, but the Rutgers game is everything because Rutgers is, is, and this is, I hate even talking like this. Rutgers is eight and nine, I think in the conference, we're seven and eight. If they beat us, they're nine and nine. We're not gonna catch them. And so that means we're probably finishing ninth place in the big 10. The only chance we have of finishing eighth, eighth is to beat <laughs> Rutgers like that. And that doesn't guarantee it by the way, but that's the only chance we have. It seems like the ceiling is now eighth, which was the worst of the prognostications before the season that we did a whole episode of reasonable rabbi on that. Like that is abysmal. There's no chance we can be eighth. Right. But ninth or eighth is staring us straight in the face. And if we don't beat Rutgers, on Wednesday night, the path to nine is just, it, it's right there. And there is not a clear path to eighth. Let's, I would go back to your earlier point of, it, it won't take another four or five years to know because fans in Michigan know they got their guy as long as they can keep him away from the NBA. People in Ohio State feel the same way. You know, and, and people at Illinois feel the same way. People at Louisville feel the same way. People at Rutgers feel the same way. Like, I feel like Illinois and Louisville, it's a little more tenuous. Like, because of everything surrounding Louisville, Chris Mack, we really don't know what that's about. I would still be optimistic if I were them. With Underwood, it feels like the NCAA could come in and take him away in handcuffs at any time. So Maybe, but I don't think Illinois fans are feeling that right now. They're they're just happy to be feeling anything besides and where, where misery. Has that happened, honestly. Where has that happened for any program? Where 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 is the case that the NCAA came in and so shit hammered somebody? That, it's true. I mean, it where doesn't happen. It, does it doesn't happen. happen. No. Um, but it's I guess. Yeah, Illinois fans maybe don't feel that way. Indiana fans would in that situation because we would be the first ones to give our coach the boot. You know well, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, we would just offer yeah. it up. We yeah. Say, we did horrible things. We would offer personal things that have nothing to do with basketball. He's bad to his kids. Like <laughs> the guy. I, I, I pictured him at home at, with his family with young children being bad to them instead of the players. Is that no, what you're what I mean. talking about? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what Indiana would do. He doesn't give money to the homeless. Like, I mean, we would just, we would castrate ourselves to say what was wrong with the success that was going on. But well, I still look, go I, back to, you can win at Indiana. You can win big. You can win relatively quickly. Uh, the idea that there's something institutional happening right now that would prevent that is silliness. That's silly season. And to me, hope springs eternal. That's what has kept us going for over 30 years. 
you know, in terms of getting, getting back there. Um, and, and what I guess would be more hopeful, I, there just doesn't feel like anything hopeful can come out of this season at this point. Now, if we somehow go on a tear and we get into the tournament and we win a couple games, it may be false hope. It may be fool's hope because Trace is going and everything else that we're feeling pessimistic about beyond this season. But that would give us all hope, rightly or wrongly. But let's say it plays out in the much more realistic manner of us losing more games than we win over these last few conference games and we're out of the tournament. No, no sane person has any optimism for next season. And if we just kind of have to get through next season and we, and that's like more than a year from now, knowing this is our situation, that would be so depressing. And so I guess the idea of, of needing hope without any real proof or guarantee lies somewhere else with someone else because that person could be worse. It could be an even bigger disaster, but at least we don't know. At least we don't have four years of evidence to look back on in terms of where something could go. Yeah, um, look, I will say this. One thing to be optimistic about is we're gonna do a clubhouse gathering on Wednesday the hour before the game with Jared Jeffries. For those of you who don't know, Clubhouse is a new app available only right now on iPhones and iPads. So I'm sorry, all you Android users out there. Weirdos. Go get yourself an iPhone or an iPad. <laughs> Download, be, be like the rest of humanity right now. Don't Download. be like my sister. Yeah, I mean, come on, what is she? You're not fighting the man, okay? You're not making some social statement by having an Android phone. It's still Samsung. They're a multi-billion dollar corporation also. And, and somehow Bill Gates is still making money out of that. Yeah, exactly. So listen, uh, download the app. We're putting it out on social media and on Peaks. It's a, it's a free app. We're going to do a live interactive podcast that we're going to kind of do as a pregame pep rally and <laughs> yeah. <also> perhaps venting <laughs> session but jared jeffries and some other former players will join us as well we'll do it the hour before the game that'll be fun we haven't updated people on the trustee campaign recently but our journey to bloomington california is behind us i mean bloomington indiana that is behind us you can find all the videos if you want to see the journey at epfortrustee.com epfortrustee.com but enough of all that Let's get to something that is happy and fun. And that's our guest today, who just simply stated is one of our favorite people that we have met ever. And it's because of this podcast that we were able to be in his orbit in some way. And he has agreed to return. So I'm just excited to talk to him again. To me, this is way more fun than actually talking about Indiana basketball right now. And we may talk to him a little bit about that. Oh, it's yeah. hard. Come on. But even that will be more fun because he's a part of the discussion. Well, let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Did you say our... Gebelman? What did you say there? I might have. I might have. I started thinking this wasn't going to happen. I sort of turned my brain off. I'll try it again. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We've got one of our best buddies back. Somebody who took a chance on a couple of Yahoo's doing a podcast came on our show. Second guest ever, right? Yeah. 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 
So we've already listed his accomplishments ad nauseum. Eric, is there anything you want to add or reiterate? I mean, All-American, Big Ten Player of the Year, led us to a national title game, led us to a Big Ten championship. The You know, I mean, a stud. And then went to the NBA, <laughs> front office. I mean, the guy running esports organizations on the cutting edge of Clubhouse, a new app that we're doing <laughs> stuff with him, including this Wednesday at 4 o'clock Pacific time, 7 o'clock Eastern time, a special Clubhouse pregame. We're calling it pep rally slash vent session. Please welcome Jared Jeffries. What's up, fellas? What's up? What's going on? Jared, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Um, sitting outside, I got to take my kids to um, practice and a play date. But other than that, man, I'm doing pretty good. So let's just get into it. Did you watch the Michigan State game? I did. I did. Um, help us here what, what should we be feeling what should we be feeling? it kind of sounded like an admission i did I, <laughs> I you know what man i think it's one of those games man like a setup game i think up until that point archie had he lost to um michigan state yet in his tenure there just his first i don't think year. that he had lost yeah his many first games year. yet his no. first year we lost to michigan state but then we beat him three in a row yeah so I mean, everything set up for that game to go the way it did. I mean, I just don't – I don't know how it would have gone any better. Well, that's just sad. I mean, that's <laughs> I just mean, some sad shit right I there. Mean, that's just, I mean, that's just how, bas that's how basketball is, man. You you come off, you know, you, you play play a decent game, win a game you probably should, um, and then you come up against that team, you should probably beat them. But, man, the basketball guys, you lose that game. And I think now, now they play Michigan. Uh, no, we play Rutgers. 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 Like that's a like that's a tough game, like like a coin flip game. You should win that game. You almost have to win that game. And those are those like these are like the defining games, turning points, like a coach's career and like players. Like this this Rutgers game is huge. You know, I am curious your perspective on something specific here. You were a five star, one of the best players in the country. <clears throat> highly recruited, chose Indiana in the end over Duke from yeah. the state of Indiana. Christian Lander's a five-star talent. Um, it doesn't look like it right now, but he is. What do you see, like, coming from that perspective, the pressure that is on him to perform, and granted, he is a year ahead of schedule because he should be in high school. What do you see from Christian that either gives you hope for the future or really bothers you about what you're seeing? Oh, oh, check it out. Yeah. Oh. It froze oh, on you looking like a badass, though. <laughs> yeah, that was a good shot. <laughs> there you go. I'll be right inside. Yeah, if, I mean, if I had to, if I were him, um, one of the things that I did coming into recruiting was that I had to start. That was one of the things that I said. If I was, that's one reason why I did not go to Duke was because Duke couldn't guarantee me a starting spot. They said I could compete for a starting spot, but they could not guarantee me a starting spot. And I was like, no, I'm not going to school. Like, I'm one of the top 40 players in the country, minimum, okay? There's 40 good schools in the country. Of those 40 good schools, at least half of them have to be able to tell me that I'm going to start, Like, And that's a precursor when I'm a five-star recruit. So I think that you know, I'm not sure if they had that conversation or what kind of happened or what went on. If you don't get an opportunity to play minutes, you're not going to be good. I don't care 
when you're a young basketball player at any level, and especially a player like him, for the first time in your life, you're not playing as many minutes as you can. You're not getting as many shots as you can. You should not have to make that adjustment as a college player, in my opinion. Well, so are you saying that Coach Knight, who recruited you, promised you a starting spot? Coach Knight, recruiting me, said that from the very beginning that he had all kinds of ideas and he's not the kind of person to, to guarantee a starting spot, but the way that he described the offense, how he wanted to run the offense, the different lineups, where he wanted to play me position-wise, every indication was that I was going to start. And I felt confident with the talent level that we had on that Indiana team, me coming in, I was better than all those guys. All right, so go. let me ask this then. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. But then let me ask this. Put yourself in Christian's position. Let's say those conversations happened. Okay, let's say that he was given every indication that he's going to have a chance to be the starting point guard or challenge for it. Yeah. And it has not worked out that way, obviously. I mean, the guy's averaging, what, in Big Ten play, seven minutes a game? I don't know, like, you know, something around there. Yeah. Can you tell us what must be going through his mind? Like, how, how, how would you have reacted to that if you came into Indiana and you were only playing 10 minutes a game? I mean, I would have, I would have most likely at that point, I probably would have talked to my family and consoled my family and realized the season was a wash. And I would have stayed my, I would have saved my draft status and went to the NBA. Like if I'm a, if I'm an NBA level prospect, just me playing, all that can happen is just for me, for my stock to go down or for me to get injured at that point, you know, like, and, and that's the thing that people might get mad about, but it's about the kid's future. Like if he was an NBA level prospect, which he was having a year like this can derail your whole career. Well, and, and you being a big man, Right. And especially what the, the way the game was back then, still a little more designed uh, for big guys down low to be yeah. able to, to thrive. Is it with him also being a year young and being a guard, is the trajectory at all different? Is it something where could you see a kid, <clears throat> even with that level of talent? And it's hard to say because I'm guessing you don't know him personally no. getting in there, seeing his own deficiencies and being like, yeah, I get why coach isn't playing me and I got to show it in practice uh, yeah. Or, or yeah, because it, it's like, that's the optimistic spin on it that he's not sitting over there being like, well, how am I supposed to get better over here? No, and I don't know the kid at all, but just watching him, you know, the kid's done a good job. Um, you know, you haven't heard anything in the media. You haven't heard anything from his parents or his coaches or anybody saying that he was going to transfer. He was looking to leave. Um so it sounds like, you know, the kids understands that there are some deficiencies in doing that. I'm saying that, you know, the level of maturity that he's shown is really high. I mean, you talk about like players, um, you know, like myself, I didn't even plan on being in school two years. My dad made me stay for my sophomore year. Like if it wasn't for my dad, there was no way I was staying. You know what <laughs> I mean? Because <laughs> competitively, like, you know, you see all these other guys going to the NBA and, you know, getting drafted. And you're like, I'm better than that guy. I'm as good as that guy. And you want to be there. Like maybe for him, cause he reclassified, he, um, he saw it like, you know, all the guys that are still in his class are still in high school. So this year he can kind of learn and then come back next year and kill. But the kids are on a, a crazy level of maturity. And I think Indiana's done a good job of, you know, keeping everything in house of what's going on. Talk to us a little bit about Trace. 
You know, Trace is in his sophomore year. Uh, similar to you, he was the focal point really from the moment he got here. Uh, mm-hmm. Very different game than you, obviously. You had much more game outside and on the wing and could face up yeah. and drive and shoot. And that is obviously Trace's game does not include that yet or yeah. if it ever will. But I know you were pretty vocal that you thought maybe Trace should have gone pro after his freshman year because mm-hmm. he had more kind of ceiling potential at that point. What's your yeah. take? now and what do you say to the old school indiana fans who are like he can't go to his right he can't shoot an 18 footer he should stay in college another year and get better at that before he goes to the nba what do you say to all those people that all those people aren't living off 700 dollars a month you know mm-hmm. like and that's just that's just the facts here you know people always want to tell what somebody what they should be doing and doing that when they're you know you know living a good life and they're mature when you have an opportunity to make you know a, a large lump sum of money by doing the game you love and it's your focal point 90 percent of guys get better at basketball in the nba because they don't have to worry about going to class they don't have to worry about anything but basketball basketball can be their sole focus and their sole you know um determining factor. Right. exactly so you know we want these kids to go to practice do appearances go to booster events you know, have a social life outside of it, it's hard to maintain that. It really is. And, it's, and so, you know, if he spends, call it six hours a day in the gym, and then he's got to go to class and he's got to go to tutoring, and let's say his grades falter, we're like, well, you know, he can't get his grades right. Well, then what do you want him to do? Do you want him to be a basketball player? Or do you want him to be a, you know, a scholar? It doesn't go both ways. And correct me if I'm wrong, but when you're looking at just getting better as a basketball player, you get drafted, even if it's late second round, mm-hmm. you sign a contract, you're probably going to the G League. And whoever is coaching you in the G League is probably going to be a really good coach at bringing out those skills you need to excel at the, at the big league. Correct. It's, and it's clearly not the priority of a, a college basketball program to develop a player's individual skills to translate to the next level. It's to develop them as much as they can so their team wins the next night or the next season. Correct. I think, um, you know, people get it, Mr. Strew, that you, they want your, they, they want you to be good for their team. And the coaches coach you so that they win more games. So the coach, who's making millions of dollars and his staff who's making hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so the school's selling out. So they want you to be good for that school. There's nothing on the backside. So, you know, one of the greatest things about coach Knight that I felt like was if you played four years for him, you literally walked out of school and you were handed a job making $200,000, whether, whether it be Eli Lilly, whether it be cook, you know, any other place, whether it be NBA jobs, coach Knight had that ability. And Part of his recruiting stick was like, you give me four years, I'll set you up for the rest of your life. That's a that's a monster statement from a guy that he did that with multiple people. You look up all the guys that stayed with coach, even guys that struggled and things, you know, they didn't necessarily had good high school careers, but didn't have great, MB, I mean, college careers. Under Coach Knight, once they finished their four years, they did that. For you to sit there with a guy like Trace, who has NBA talent, who's working like he's going to have the develop ability to be able to like play, play, make and create, you know, shoot a three point shot. You limit in the NBA because Indiana doesn't need him to do that. If he does it at Indiana, it's at the detriment of the team. What's the single coolest thing you've ever seen Michael Jordan do? 
<laughs> the single coolest thing I've ever seen Michael Jordan do. I'm not gonna lie, man. Um, while the year playing with him, he was determined to play all 82 games, 40 years old. He got his knee drained. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. So they went in and drained all the fluid off his knee because he, he couldn't bend his knee. And they got like three vials of fluid off of his knee. And he went and played, went and played a game later on that night and played, and played in an NBA game. Oh. It, was, it was one of the, like, he had to be in pain. It had to hurt. Like, I have videos of me getting my knee drained a couple times. And they stick a needle about, uh, I'm not sure if I can show you about that thing. They stick a needle about, about, about this long into your knee, this, like this needle. And they start drawing the fluid off of your knee. And it's like yellow and green, like a little bit of blood in it. And they start pulling it off your knee so that so that you can you can bend and flex your knee again. Pretty gross. And then to go out there and get that done and then still play about an NBA game, pretty wild. Did you ever have to guard him in practice? All the time. What was that like? It was awesome, man. But like, he's also 40 years old. So it wasn't like I wasn't getting like prime MJ. I mean, he could still he could still make fadeaways and he score whenever he wanted to, but like I can only imagine what like even like a 35-year-old MJ must have been like. I mean, he won that last title at 37, 38 years old. And I mean, he's putting up, I mean, he's 37 years old, you know, putting up 40s in the finals. Yeah, I mean, he's just ridiculous, right? No, nah, no, nah, it's, nah, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And I mean, we were, we, we were having a discussion the other day and, you know, I tell people all the time, don't take for granted what you see now. And I think that goes with college and the NBA. Like, you think back to, like, all the times, like, I used to watch Calvert Chain and Allen Henderson and those guys growing up and how much fun that was to watch them, watching um, Reggie, watching MJ. But, like, right now, watching LeBron, what LeBron's able to do in the basketball court at his age or any age, what LeBron's doing is amazing. Even a guy like Trace, what he's doing, at like, you know, a 34-9 and nine game in college, it's pretty impressive, man. Like, and you can say he can't this and this and yada yada you better enjoy that you have them there because the next trace might not come along for a long time he's the closest we've had to 20 and 10 since steve downing exactly you know it really is historic what he's doing yeah. but yeah. unfortunately the rest of the team ain't so hot and that seems <clears throat> to take up all the oxygen in the room and yeah we all know about the li limitations on trace's game but it's like that is a case where I'm like, okay, this is the one actually really great thing that's happening right now is his Correct. production. Yeah. So let's just at least enjoy that one thing. At least enjoy it, man. And I, I believe this, man. I think that this year is so hard to evaluate the talent, evaluate your coaching, evaluate your program. I mean, you look at Duke and Kentucky right now. Um, you know, they're not world beaters. Kentucky has all the talent in the world. And they're calling for Calipari's head in Kentucky. You know what I mean? Like, so I think this year is the NCAA is in a good job of making it a mulligan year. Everybody can come back. Everybody, you know, all seniors can come back. All guys can transfer schools and do that and kind of reset for next year. I don't, I don't think you can put a lot of stock into this year, man, just because of the situation. All right. Best coach in college basketball. Mark Hughes by a mile. Mark Few at, at Gonzaga. Yeah. Really? Mark Few, he, man, you look at what he did and taking um, under-talented, mid-tier, mid-major talent 
and slowly growing a program over a few decades into where now he's playing an NBA style system, playing fast, playing up tempo, scoring 100 points a game. When he came from like a slowdown kind of style, you know, with Dan Dickow and those guys and building that program up and identifying and scouting, you know, the, the, the um, Ronnie Terry offs of the world, um, Adam Morrison, low recruited guys, guys that were not highly recruited and turning them into NBA players and like making a program like that. And I don't know if any of you guys have ever been to Spokane. You've been to Spokane? No. Nobody has, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to. Nobody, bro, it's not easy to get like, you, you land in one of those crappy airports and you either drive or take a helicopter. Like it's not, it's not easy to get there. And to get international players, top recruits, to go all the way up there for that basketball program is, that shows that this guy, he, he has it all figured out. Let's jump to giving you full credit for Nikola Jokic being uh, with the Denver Nuggets. You were there. You helped scout him and bring him in. Uh, he's one of these guys I just love watching play now. Eric and I were talking earlier about there's like watching the Nets versus the Clippers last night. And you're like, I, I might be looking at four Hall of Famers on the court at the same time. And Durant isn't even playing. Yeah. And then looking at the talent, the league as a whole, is it just because I'm paying closer attention now because Indiana basketball isn't great. So I have to go over to the NBA and be able to enjoy good basketball or, or is there something really special, not only with like LeBron and some of these older guys who have been great for a while, but we have so many young guys who have such incredible skill sets, like across the board. It, this is really fun right now, isn't it? Yeah. What you got to do is you got to give the NBA a ton of credit for recognizing that what sells and what people want to see and people want to see offense. You can say everything you want to about defense wins championships and yada, 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 which it does because you got to be able to get stops when it counts. But you look at the NBA this year, how much scoring is up and how scoring has gone up since the nineties. Yeah. And what it does is it creates stars. It creates guys putting up astronomical, and you know, Joe Embiid a 50 and 17 game. Um, um, Jamal Murray a 50 point game. Nikola but with the 43 and 17. Um, Luka Doncic putting up his numbers. Bradley Beal scoring 40. Like it, it creates great storylines and it's fun to watch. I think the NCAA has to figure out how to get that into the college game. The college game, there's no rhythm. There's always a timeout. There's 25 TV timeouts, 15 coaches timeouts, um, player coaches reviews. I mean, uh, referee reviews all the time. As soon as there's a run, the coach calls a timeout or the TV timeout. It, it, it's a lot of times for me, it's hard to watch college games because college games sometimes can be like two and a half hours. Right. Like those are long games, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, like instead of a tournament It's a game, long game when only 60 points are scored. More like it's like like I think the, the other the other night you know Indiana had like a drought of like six something minutes like like that's hard to watch man like yeah that's they, every they, game it, <laughs> like and, and the problem is in that six minutes you know Archie they're, they're making a run so Archie burns two timeouts and then there was a TV timeout so there's three timeouts and a six minute stretch and like I get it for you know TV money. And you want the TV and they want the revenue to be high. But think about the players when you got coaches making millions, the players are making nothing. And then 
It's like, oh well, we gotta we gotta sell ads. Well, where's all this ad money going? Who's getting rich off of this? Like, mm-hmm. as players, we're not. You know, so everybody talks about like the thing about paying players. We were all in college. Think about if you just got paid fifty thousand dollars, just fifty thousand dollars when you were in college. We're not asking you to pay these guys hundreds of thousands. If I if I had a hundred bucks in my pocket on a weekend, I had a great weekend in college. Like it was, and it's still like that. Like let's, like, let's be honest, Jared. You had a good weekend in college if you had zero dollars <laughs> in your pocket. Come on, come on. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to y'all. One of the reasons. One of the reasons that I did go to Indiana when I went down to go visit Duke. Um, when I went down to go visit Duke, I was blown away how there were no social activities. Uh-huh. It was just. And I was like, and I had been going to IU parties since I was in, since like a sophomore in high school. And I was like, no, nah, I can't go here. No, nah, uh-uh. ain't no way. <laughs> ain't no way I can go there. All right, wait, so, yeah. of your teammates, of your teammates back in Indiana, uh-huh. if, if you gave $50,000 to all of them, who, uh-huh. would, who would blow it the quickest? <sighs> Probably either George Leach or AJ. <laughs> AJ. What, what AJ. would they have bought? What would they have bought? AJ would have would have one day he would have felt like he was a you know um you know a back to Africa movement. He would have bought a bunch of daishikis and like and like an afro pick and like some hair extensions. And then the next day he would have next day he would have been a beatnik hippie and he would have would have bought like some sunglasses and like a bowler hat and stuff like that. He would, <laughs> it, depend, <laughs> it would depend on it depend on how he felt that day. So he would have to buy at least four different wardrobes for how he felt that day. Okay. <laughs> and then George and then George would have bought a would have bought a food truck for his barbecue company in high school. I mean, in college. <laughs> was he already talking about it back then? Oh, for sure, because his sisters could always cook. He could cook a little bit, so he would always talk about how he was going to be a chef and open restaurants and stuff. So he would have went ahead and explored his. It might have worked actually back then too. Yeah, it would have been a good investment. It might have been a good investment because I mean, yeah. who was who's the guy right across from the football stadium in the um. He, he had like the food truck or like the pop up barbecue for like football games, and he like the little convenience store on the corner there off 17. I remember that. Um, part. I lived yeah. right next to it at Dunhill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My um my dad knows the guy really well, but I mean that guy used to make a killing off football weekends. A really? killing. Yeah. All right. Who who would have in six months after getting fifty thousand? Who would have still had fifty thousand in their pocket? Kyle Hornsby. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle. Kyle. Kyle, Kyle Hornsby, Kyle Hornsby would have would have literally sat there and he and he would have figured out exactly how to take that fifty thousand on top of like whatever school money we had and not spend a dime. <laughs> and he wouldn't have paid for any meals, right? No, no, no. He would because see, all of us we would have been going to like the few restaurants that were in Bloomington, and then Kyle would have still eaten training table every day at like Fazoli's and like down the marsh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, basketball again. Best NBA coach. Who's the best NBA coach? Right now? Yeah. Um, either Eric Spolstra or Price Spolstra. I'm going to go Spolstra. Really? And what but is he, it about him? Man, his player development. He's a Hall of Fame coach. Everybody can say whatever they want. The guy's coach, two champions. He was, um, you know, on the bench for another coach that under-talented team last year to the NBA Finals. And uh, he de- he develops so much talent. Like his talent development, like all of his young guys, all the guys they draft across the board. I mean, Saul Whiteside, Kendrick Nunn, um, um, even Wait, when he was Tyler Hero, right? Tyler Tyler, Tyler Hero, 
um, what Jimmy Butler's career is underneath him. Like he he develops guys. He works with them. His his schemes are always good. He has a base system that he bases everything off of. And even this year when they were struggling and they weren't playing that well, he didn't panic. Like he 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 didn't he, he didn't panic and he and he went out there and and won. Like he he did it. Like it's amazing. Well, we we hear you're being beckoned. Yeah, I'm you, being beckoned. Yeah. You you got to get out of here, but. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to bring a ray of sunshine into Hoosier Nation. It's a dark, dark time right now. No, it's gonna get it's gonna get better, man. Like it really will, man. We'll, I promise this. Like the, the program's got enough support, enough people around it that it's gonna get it's gonna get better. So I mean, we got to keep our heads up, man, and just keep looking forward. All right, real quick plug: join Jared and us and some other guests on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time on Clubhouse. You can ask Jared questions. We're going to have a little pregame thing. And also, real quick, screw it. Brian Evans ghosted us today and was supposed to be on this, and Jared <laughs> jumped in to save us. What? Jared Jeffries is better than Brian Evans in all oh, aspects of life. That's, that's right, baby. You tell everybody that. That's right. Damn right. Thanks, guys. All right, Jared. Good, man. See Thanks, you, man. Bye-bye. All right, I had to say it. Brian Evans was supposed to be on this show. He ghosted us. He picked the time. He told us when. I've been texting him. We had to delay, and then Jared, like a hero, like a conquering hero, came in to save the Hoosier Hysterics podcast, gave us some insights, some good Michael Jordan stories. I mean, my God, that that's what Indiana basketball is about. It's not about some hick from freaking Terre Haute who <laughs> just totally ghosts us. Brian Evans, you are on the list. I'm just I'm just checking the time at this point in the recording because if something really terrible has happened to, to Brian or his family, I'll know where to edit this out. That's fair. By the way, <laughs> this goes out and something bad happened to Brian. Do not hold it against us. Yeah, it, specifically it's, we, me. We have had zero communication with the man. We hope everything is okay. If everything is okay, screw you, Brian Evans. If everything is okay, he's on the list. He is on the list. Look. Here's what's wonderful about this whole situation is that we just got to hang out with Jared Jeffries again. And from our very second podcast where we were interviewing a player who was Jared Jeffries, he set the bar of a good damn time. His, he's just delightful, you know, and he's always talking uh, about something that I'm learning. Like, you, you know, it's, it's, you know, he's got great stories and it'll just be pure comedy too, but I'm always learning from him with this big smile on my face. And he's super smart. He's accomplished. He was a five-star. He was recruited by everybody. He has a sense and his perspective on Christian is really interesting talking about the overall maturity that he has shown mm -hmm. just from, you know, the shit hasn't hit the fan. It's real easy to let the world know you're disgruntled right now. Like one tweet and everybody knows something's wrong. I, and look, Christian has sent some tweets that people overanalyze, but he clearly could have done something to blow the whole thing up and he hasn't. And he is a kid who just turned 18. So uh, I love Jared Jeffries. I love that he's a Hoosier. I love how honest he is too about like, look, Coach Knight didn't guarantee me that I was going to start because Coach Knight doesn't do that. But Coach Knight told me I was going to start. Well, it, not only was that that a revelation that it was he must have felt that was basically a done deal between everything Coach told him, the other talent on the roster, and then that Duke sucks as a school. 
Like, yes, their academics are good. Who cares about academics in college? I didn't. Yes, most of us didn't. Let's be honest. It's about having a good damn time. Although um, I didn't care about my one, I brought this up before and I'm going to bring it up again. W131, writing 100th, Tekken Bingle was my professor. That asshole gave me a B plus and I needed an A to have a really stellar freshman year. He gave me a B plus. Tekken Bingle. First of all, with he's a name on the like list. that, he's on, he's on the list. <laughs> Tekken Bingle and, Jared, and Brian Evans are on the list. Jared Jeffries has a lifetime pass from being on the list. Uh, and here, here's where I'll defend why fun was my priority in college. I was telling my daughter this the other day, who are now we're figuring out, you know, how how is she going to go about going into this this middle school where you have to audition or take tests or do things for the different academies? And I'm like, look, it just starts getting better from here on out is that you start to pick more of the classes you actually want to take. And yes, even at IU, we all had to take finite or similar there too. You got out of it. And I'm still jealous that you got out of it. But like for me, IU was so much fun because even even my classes, you know, 90% of my classes were a blast, but I'm always looking for something to lord over other schools, particularly when they've been so much better at basketball for the last 25 years than we have. And it's great to know that Duke is totally lame when it comes to a social life. I'll be honest with you. Same thing with Ann Arbor. And I know people love Ann Arbor, but I went and visited Michigan when I was looking at schools and I didn't like it because it didn't seem as fun. Well, and here is a perfect example of that. My wife, Annie, who made a cameo with the top of her head crawling through the back of the shot earlier. She she was the singer, lead singer of Jack Fife, a wonderful party band we all enjoyed there. Uh, But look, they were bigger than Bloomington. They, They traveled the Midwest with their wonder and they brought a party with them wherever they went. They, they went to Wrigleyville, the Cubby Bear. They played there. They went to East Lansing, had a good time in East Lansing, went to Ann Arbor, said everybody was assholes. All the students were assholes. Feedback. They were all so far up their own ass, they couldn't even have a good time at a rock show. It was such a lame experience of, of pompous people piled in on top of each other. So you enjoy Juwan Howard and being incredible at basketball right now. We'll have a much better time, even with a shitty basketball yeah. team. We'll enjoy ourselves till two in the morning at the Bluebird. And then we'll head over to wherever the hell the party keeps going, which if you were in Indiana in the years 2000, 2001, 2002, it was at Jared Jeffrey's house, wherever that was. <laughs> That's where the good time was. Love that Kyle Hornsby wasn't going to – short arms Hornsby. <laughs> Love that George Leach was talking about doing a barbecue business back in college. Love that, which is – Living the dream. And by the way, I talked to George recently, killing it during COVID. Oh, good. I mean, his business is kind of set for it. It's not a dine-in restaurant, you know? Yeah. It's rough. So he's been doing really well. Um, it just, again, goes to show you how special that team was. You know, the collection of players that were on that team of which Jared was a bit of a ringleader, is uh, a special group, and it's it's why we do this. So Brian Evans is on the list. Tekken Bingle is on the list. Christian Lander, some props for the maturity, like, like that. Michael Jordan is the coolest guy that's ever lived and the toughest son of a bitch that's ever lived. And uh, we're going to come back at you next week. I'll tell you who won't be on the show next week. Brian Evans. Or he maybe ever again. He can't be on... 
he can be on the show because he's on the list. He's yeah. You, it's one of two. You want to be on the show? You're not going to be on the list. You want to be on the list? If, you're not going to be on the show. If I didn't know that Jared was running off to do something right now and that I was going to have to start editing this episode right away, I'd say, let's see if we can get him to send us the videos of his knee being drained to put on the end of this, just if people want to freak themselves. Yeah, I got to say, it would make my wife pass out to see that. But there is a being the doctor's son, I have a sick curiosity. I want to see how that actually goes down. I hope Jared is just screaming, crying in the background, <laughs> right? If he if he doesn't send us the video, we'll know that's why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, listen, short one today, but uh, look, you got enough of us. You, you don't want any more of us. You got Jared Jeffries. That's all you need. Yeah, and look, we're 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 holding back a little on uh, things because obviously there's a real big game on Wednesday night. And we're going to do a reasonable rabbi immediately after that game. And that's going to be out on Thursday. So we'll really get into the present state of everything in that. Um, and, you know, you know how it goes. If it wins, it's going to go one way. If it loses, it's going to go another way. Or you don't know. I mean, or, you don't know which way the hysterics are going to go. You don't know what position we're going to take. Rabbi doesn't know. That's true. That's true. And really the courage it takes for that man to, to walk in to that situation every week and just have to deal with what we throw at him. He's a GD hero. He is, or he's mentally challenged. <laughs> he's, he's just a glutton for punishment. Yeah, could be it. All right, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics, no E, no I. But, but the sometimes why? I, I'm not sure... Like the Indiana University basketball team this year, I'm not sure that's getting any better. <laughs> One thing we can look forward to post-pandemic is having complete synchronization with us saying that at the end of our episodes. What is the last podcast we did together? Was it like Deron Davis or Slick Leonard? Did we do both those in the same day? We might have. It would have been me, yeah, coming to your place. And those were after Archie, right? Yeah, Archie, we didn't. Archie, we did together, but in my old place. Oh, that was at your old place. Yeah, I put it in my mind in your your no. new dining room. No, we did it in the old place. Yeah, so well, I think it was Duran and Slick Leonard, and maybe DJ White. Yeah, it's all it's all so long ago now. It's kind of blurry. It is. Look, the truth is, the podcast that this podcast spawned, Liletta and Morena by Holly Crosby, my current girlfriend and Mandy Pankowski, my ex-wife, they do theirs more together than you and I do it. They, they're using our gear. We haven't seen our gear in months. <laughs> they use it. But by the way, their podcast is doing really well. And I will say, I listen to all of them. It's painful for me oftentimes. Sure. But look, if you are divorced, if you are um, a product of divorce, a kid who went through divorced parents, if you have a, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is mostly aimed at women. If there's a woman in your life that you think could benefit from hearing uh, this, it is uh, eye-opening, just their perspective on going through divorce and with kids. And it's funny and silly. And also it gets emotional and they make fun of me in every show, in every show. You know what we're all waiting for. It's all building too. Loletta and Morena as the guests on the Hoosier Hysterics? <laughs> yeah, well, of course that, but no. When when are you going to be on the show? They haven't invited me. 
it's going to happen. I have from a very good source. It'll happen at some point. I think it's kind of great the way the suspense can just keep building because when it happens, it, it, you know, there needs to be some fanfare. I know they're not doing seasons, but somehow they need to make it a big climax. Whoa. Let's Whoa, not use sorry. the word climax when talking about my ex-wife and my current girlfriend. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's another area that's very, By the way, I even, very embarrassing for you. Yeah, very embarrassing. And I've even gotten shit on for using the term like current girlfriend, because that is somehow implying that it's just temporary. It's good <laughs> now. Like there could be another current one, but there isn't going to be. She's my girlfriend. I'm glad that very nice equipment you got for our show is going to great use on a wonderful show. And if anybody hasn't checked it out yet, they should. Um, but just make sure you feel good about what you're doing as a husband. Because I got to say, I always get a little nervous that my wife's going to get some ideas. <laughs> No, like maybe war maybe maybe war should be doing this Loretta, be Morena, doing that. Loretta, Morena, and Annie. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> it it wouldn't be a shock to anybody who knows me. <laughs> All right. Well, we will be right back at you next week. Be good, everybody. Stay safe. And uh let's hope that there's a win to talk about or two by next week. Goodbye. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.